Hi, and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. So, Naomi Lambert, it is so awesome to have you here in She's the Boss. You have just been such an amazing supporter of mine and and, and an inspiration all at the same time for so long now. So, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, my absolute pleasure. So, um, as this is all for women out there in business, let's talk about your business. Uh, So, the first thing I'm going to do is ask you what it is that you do, if you can explain the Cool To Be Kind project um, and why you do it. But tell us what you do first. Um, So, as I said, the Cool To Be Kind project, which I started two years ago, and it's a way of spreading kindness within the community. Um, Well, it started within the community. Now it's spreading it worldwide. So, we do what we can to um, help people in situations, just open people's eyes to what's going on in the world and um, try to make life a little bit better for people. Well, that all sounds great, but that kind of doesn't really say what it is that you do. So talk to me, what exactly is the Call cool to Be Kind project? I know how it started, so let's just start that way. Tell people how you actually started it. Um, by quite simply hiding 50 kindness cards around my hometown of Perth in the lead up to Christmas 2017 um, after a pretty shitty health battle um, and didn't expect a response and got 32 responses back from people who'd been kind off their own backs and um, kind of snowballed when the federal MP got hold of my story and had morning tea with her and she said if you're not going to run with this then I'm going to take it from you so I needed but so you took 50 kindness cards so let's just talk a little bit about what you did so when you say kindness cards in it it was a little card that said something like you know would you do an act of kindness for someone and if you do please let me know was it something like that uh, yeah, on one, well, it was Christmas themed. So I designed them at 3am one morning and I refer to that as my 3am moment of madness. Um, well, and you are an amazing designer. It said sparkle shine on one side and on the back I wrote a little poem just um, about kindness and listed a whole heap of things that people could do um, if they wanted to. And then I set up an email address and just said, if you do hide the, or if you do find a card and you do something, then let us know and be good to see how much kindness is in the world still. So what happened the first time? So you put that, because I think it, when you first, when I first met you, I'm sure you said you were dropping them in the back of bus, sort of those, those pockets on the backs of buses or planes. And what sort of places did you put them? Um, magazines, in library books, um, drugs. Kind of hidden, like a little yeah. secret thing people could come across. Yeah, flew to Adelaide and put one in the menu, like in the menu in my seat pocket, um, left one in the toilet in places and um, even in supermarkets if they were kind of sit, hid them behind packages and so anywhere. So what sort of things did people do? <sighs> So many. I think there was only two people that took one of my suggestions. Um, Another one, my favourite one that still gets me every time is the gentleman who said that he worked in corporate and decided to not go to his Christmas party and instead took the homeless guy um, out for a five-star lunch. Um, So just things like that. That's gorgeous. 
yeah, really showed me that there's still some good people. And, well, what in the world. do you think the people are getting out of it? Because there wasn't any incentive other than just go and do it and then let me know that you've done it and, and just so that I can see people are being kind. So do you think that it's just the, that personal feeling of, you know, I cannot believe that I've changed someone's life that much? Yeah, and I think it was the fact that when you find something like that, there's this intrigue in what is this? And, yeah. you know, you're not used to seeing things like that around very much. I think the people that found them and, in you know, in the lead up to Christmas was actually a not, you know, find them and then realise that they could actually do something that didn't put them out but would help the lives of someone else. I just, I, don't, I still don't get how a card inspires people to do that, but I'm more than happy to. I think it's just, I, I personally feel like it's that little prompt. And also it's a bit message in a bottle, isn't it? If you pick up something on a beach and it says, hi, I've come from wherever, please contact me when you find this. It's very different to just finding some rubbish up on a beach and kind of, you know, it's got that extra intrigue and curiosity about who's the person behind this. And so, so what was your reasoning? What, what, why, why did you even think of this idea? I had to have a hysterectomy in 2015. I was 32. Um, and my lifelong dream was to be a mum. You know, I always just it was something that I knew that I'd end up being and after years of ill health we had to we made the decision to undergo the full hysterectomy so that was really really rough and I spent the years just angry hurt wouldn't leave the house um suffering from the menopause hormone replacement therapy put on 30 kilos so just a really nasty kind of journey and to the point that people wouldn't even tell me that they were pregnant because it would just push me over the edge it's so it's such a hard thing isn't it just just to for people to talk about even I think and and you're incredibly courageous because you do talk about it and I know you've talked about it a lot to help other women out there because there are people who can't have children and there are people who also have babies that don't survive and all sorts of awful things that people just don't like to talk about. So, But it's um, so common these days, you know, it's every other person knows someone or is going through it. But at that point in time, there was no one that was my age that would tell me what I was going through was normal. Yeah. I could not, we search, mum search, there was nobody. And there's the Facebook groups, there was no one that could actually say, it's going to be all right, what you're feeling is okay. Um, So it was a... So you've had this shitful year, you've put on weight, you're feeling like blech. So what in heaven's name makes somebody who's in that state start thinking, what can I do for other people? You go to the shops and you see... uh, teenager with adults which I presume were his parents knock over an old lady and not stop what no they just did not even look back it was like she hadn't even been there and I was I remember being so angry and I got home and I was like I can't be a mum and I'd raise my kids well and then this is going on in the and all these people are out there with children and they don't even teach them basic manners yeah and couldn't sleep that night and at 3am I was like I'm just gonna I think in part I think of it as being selfish I did it to try and make myself feel better um I think that part that you're thinking of is about one percent to be honest I think you were probably thinking more about others than yourself but that in in some ways it's good to distract yourself so I do get that 
Um, but it, but you know, it's it's a big thing. So so yeah. And sorry, I think I interrupted you when you were saying. So what made you make that leap from I feel like shit to I'm going to go out and make everyone else and myself feel better? The first response um, when it came through, and that the first one was the homeless um, scenario, and I suddenly just realised that I could still make a difference. So being a mum or not being a mum doesn't define us. However much you think, I, and I remember my mindset was that I had failed because I couldn't do the most natural thing in the world. But you had it taken away from you through an operation. I mean, there's a lot of women as well that would feel that and they haven't even got that to fall, I mean, not to fall back on, but you know what I mean to kind of say, well, it was taken out of my hands, whereas whereas with you, it was completely taken out of your hands. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. But that's a mindset thing that I had to get through. And it wasn't until a friend actually said to me, you need to let yourself grieve. And I was like, what am I grieving? I never had a baby. Like, I've never had shoes, but you've, you've that's lost. That's exactly what you've got to grieve, yeah. Lost, however you look at it. Um, so between that and then the first response, I realised that, I could still make a difference. And then you kind of ramped it up a little bit. <laughs> I did. So, so tell me about the whole entrepreneurial journey, actually, because, because it's a fascinating one. Off you go. I'm going to drink my tea while you tell me your story. It mm. is still going and I'm still learning. Um, I was really sceptical at the start of putting myself out there. I wanted to run with this and have the Call to Be Kind project, but I didn't want to be the face of it. I wanted someone else to stand there and talk about it and I'd just be in the background and make things look pretty and, you know, do the website. Nice try. I think that, that was maybe thing. <laughs> that's one of the first things then, people realise. Yeah, you've got to put yourself out there. But I think that was you that taught me that because I came <laughs> to the accelerator and... Well, let's just go, we'll, we'll, we'll wind back a little bit because a lot of people might not know what the accelerator is. So I met you through a woman in Sydney. I, I just remembered her the other day. What's her name? Kim Wright. Yes, Kim Wright, who was gorgeous and said, loved what you were doing and said, you have to meet this woman. And then you said, I'm doing this kindness project, but I live in Perth. And I said, well, I'm running an event to teach people how to do PR, but it's in Sydney. So you've got to get yourself there. I remember it really well because you said, right, I'm going to do it then. And my events involve you sitting with journalists as well. So you turned up on that first day and said, I haven't slept. <laughs> I remember it so well. The flight had been diverted. It was a nightmare. You'd been diverted via Melbourne to Sydney. And had Cairns, Melbourne, sleep. Sydney. And you didn't even really know what PR was when you turned up, did you? You've told no, me that later. absolutely no idea. I thought it would, I'd go and sit with you and you'd, do my PR for me and everything would be brilliant and <laughs> I'd be all set. Well, it was better than that, wasn't it? So go on, you can, now you can tell people what happened. <laughs> Day one, I listened, then I fell asleep because I was that exhausted. Um, had I couldn't put my finger on writing a media release. I couldn't get any ideas out there. I was stuck on the fact that I didn't have a product to sell. And I just couldn't get past that. Um, and by the end of the second day, I'd written four media releases and sent them out. And it's because my mindset shifted. I could see that my product was me. You know, what I was doing, it didn't, it didn't matter. The product, the story, how I would help people, it was 
I was it. And once that mindset had shifted, the stories and how I felt just kind of came out. Um, <laughs> well, you do have an incredible story. And I think your first one was that you used the story of, of the hysterectomy yeah. and the fact that you were very young and you pushed that out to the parenting media. Was it just the parenting media? No, because my... Uh, was yeah, Mamma Mia, Mama the Mia picked, picked it up straight away. Um, and then loads more did anyhow. I just remember it being one after another, bang, bang, bang. And you just, you were so invigorated from writing your story and getting this reaction that you were writing more and more. Oh, yeah, I was just, yeah, river vomiting them out. It was <laughs> talking about fear and resilience. And I, yes, I learned, you know, my mindset shifted, but I also shifted it became a real self-love situation I was okay with where I was at I was okay to say I can't have children or this is my story I was no longer ashamed and so I think a lot of my my journey as an entrepreneur and is about that and how that I how I'm growing and yeah it just it, it evolves every day Amazing, amazing. So can you tell us a little bit what's happened since then? So that was two years ago and you thought you might try and get a bit of publicity and you got absolutely stacks. What's happened since then and how's it evolved? In terms of the publicity or? No, in terms of the business. We'll move on from PR unless it's integral to your story. But anyway, don't let me stop you. But we don't need to talk about that. I want to know about your story and how, what you've done with the Call to Be Kind project? Because, I mean, at that stage, you didn't even have a logo. No. This I was had, an idea. I had a Weebly website, which was minimal and, um, yeah, not very much else. So, um, so much. The most exciting thing I think that's happened is that I've written the book, um, which is a kid's book, and that is coming out very soon. And it's brilliant because... I, again, have learnt so much because I've done all the illustrations. I'm working with a publisher in the UK and I think everything that's happened over the last few years has led to this. So that Who, the Who's product, the publisher, by the way? Uh, Pegasus Mackenzie Elliott. Okay, no, I just have friends who work at Bloomsbury. I was going to go, oh, my God, but that's brilliant. So there's a book coming out, but you've done a whole lot of other stuff. You've got some initiative that's come out on the back of the pandemic. Is that the, the kindness? Thing that you're doing with a whole lot of other organisations? Aren't there a whole lot of you that have ganged together? It's a community. Um, it's going to be a new community platform called One Another and has been built by 60 volunteers from all over the world. So the lady Amazing. put a call out when she was stuck in Spain, um, realising that there was a niche to get help to vulnerable people. Um, and, yeah, people all over the world have come together and have, have built this platform. So watch this space over the next few weeks. Um, one of the biggest things that I undertook was the 52 Weeks of Kindness Challenge, which started yeah. last year, um, and used that as a vehicle to kind of push the kindness out, but also it wasn't your usual, you know, do something for your neighbour or your friend or smile at someone. A lot of it is to do with looking at yourself and gratitude and what makes you happy and, um, yeah, that. So that's been massive and I think it was that that led to Ariana Huffington kind of tweeting my story. Well, that's amazing, isn't it? So you started doing some PR in the US 
and managed to get something. What was the is it living? What's the name of her website? Thrive. Thrive. And then the next thing is you sent me a message to say, oh, my goodness, look at this. And there's Ariana Huffington go, everyone, you should look at this story. It's so inspiring. And it was your story. It was my story. And I missed it because I didn't use Twitter. <laughs> so, and oversight. Google Alerts didn't alert me to the fact that <laughs> she'd written it. So I remember messaging her going, thank you. I'm so sorry. And she sends a love heart back. And I was like, I'm done now. Yeah. <laughs> so I've achieved it. Amazing. So when you left school, what did you think you wanted to be when you grew up? Like, how, how, how has everything changed? I always wanted to be a flight attendant. A flight attendant? Mm. I think it was being an expat child. Did you ever try to be one? No, because of my health issues meant that I couldn't be one. So. Oh, yes, because there were earlier health issues than the hysterectomy as well, weren't there? There's, there's been a whole lot. And let's we won't go too far into that because that if anyone wants to find out, just Google Naomi Lambert and I'm sure you'll find it. So um, let's move more into sort of what you've learned along the way. So firstly, now, and I know I'm probably putting you on the spot, but are there just and I just do this to everyone because it's a She's the Boss show. And I think we often talk about all these great mentors that have helped us that are blokes. So I'm just particularly putting the spotlight on women. Are there any women that you think have really helped you along the way and how did they help you? There is a lady here called Heidi Anderson and she was on Big Brother and is at um, our ex-radio breakfast presenter. And she was one of the first people that let me write for her blog And she has become a very, very good friend, but she's all about mindset. And, you know, she's starting tomorrow a thing called Shed Your Shit campaign. Oh, um, I love her already. Which is a training that goes for two (laughs) weeks or 10 days, I think. But she is literally no hold but She just accepts herself and is happy to acknowledge that she's got scars. And she's been a huge influence on me just because of her attitude and how well she does things. Um, so she's been great in terms of publicise, giving me publicity and interviewing me and kind of getting it out there. So she's been a good one. Um, Anne Alley, who's my federal MP, obviously is a very big influence because she's the one that said, if you don't run with this, I'm going to take it from you. <laughs> and is she supporting you since you said, no, you can't have it, I'm doing it, but I'd love you to help me support it. Is she around there still helping? Yeah, yeah, she's yeah, very supportive. She's very busy because of what she does. Yeah. Um, but she'll have me go to networking events and if there are things that she can't go to, she's like, you can go to that for me. Like she's really... Oh, great. Oh, well, I love hearing about these kind of women because, you know, the, the motto of She's the Boss is, is empower the women around you. And particularly if you can and you're in a position where you can help someone, then to reach down and lift somebody up is 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 a beautiful thing, I think, and it's something that... I reckon women do particularly well. So it's good to hear that I'm not making it up in my own mind. <laughs> They're not at all. And I think there's, I've met so many resilient women and so many people that are doing things that are different. But half the people that inspire me and help me, I've never even met. You like get me? messages oh, no, we've from met, people. Actually, we? But yes, I know what you mean. You just meet them online and in groups and, um, yeah, it's amazing. And when something good or bad happens, it's no longer I want to call, you know, someone in my family. I've got to remember to call that person. I want to tell you. I don't even know you, but this is what has happened. It's really, it's very empowering. It's a really nice thing to be a part of. 
Well, you've introduced me too to one of the wonderful women around here in my local area, Louise Larkin, who I know you've become really close to and yet again haven't met. And I've met her and she's lovely. Um, but she's got that friend in me business as well. So I love all you women swirling around this sort of helping and kindness and it's really gorgeous. All right, so let's talk about some pivotal moments where you've learned things in your life, um, particularly sort of in business. Let's just focus on the business things. Have there been any moments where there's been a big success or a big failure and that you've learned something from that we could share with other women that might be going through it? doesn't matter if you, if you can't think of one, but if you, I mean, I know you've had, it's health moments really that have been pivotal for you, haven't they? It's been health moments, but it's also been realising that I can't work 24 hours a day. And I'm sure a lot of people say that and can relate to it. But for me, it ended to the point where I actually thought that there were people at my front door and my phone was ringing because I had worked for 48 hours straight and not slept. Oh, and my goodness, Naomi. Yeah, That's was not really for yourself at all really bad and it was at that moment that I realised that things actually are okay if they wait till tomorrow. I'm not in a situation where you need to do it now. So I try now to kind of shut the computer down at five if I can um, and really have to be a bit more aware of my body and how I'm feeling. I think, you know, that that is also something that women who are, well, not women, I'm sure it's everyone, but if it's something you're really passionate about and you'd be choosing to do this whether you were paid or not, then you do just keep going and going and going. But, I mean, I guess I learned, maybe just because I'm lazy, much earlier on to separate work and business and I literally have a cut-off time, which is earlier in the day than yours, let me tell you, where I go, nah, I've had enough. But, I mean, I'll get up at five in the morning and work through for... 12 or 15 hours if I have to, but I'm not going to do it unless I absolutely have to. Otherwise, it's just <clears throat> fixing on the things that need to be done because it's so important that you keep your health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you don't have an office to go to, yeah. I think that's hard as well because it's always here. So if I wake up in the night, oh, well, I'll just open the computer and look at the emails and then it's a vicious cycle because your body clocks out, you don't stop. Um so I've had to learn that. One of, I've also actually have learned I need to kind of stop thinking so big and don't, I don't have to act on every crazy idea that I have because I'll have one and I will run with it and I won't stop. You know, the perfect example is deciding three days before Christmas that I was going to see how many messages I could send in 24 hours and sent out a media release before I'd even realised how I was going to do it, was interviewed on the radio, had got some other girls in, you know, involved, Louise being one of them, yep. sent out a message to say, give me names of people that want Christmas kindness messages. And in 24 hours, I sent 4,721. And didn't don't even know how I actually managed to do it no. but my ideas are huge and I just run with it and I really need to kind of scale back and not well, do it all well, yesterday yes and I think I think the the idea of a huge idea is fantastic the um the aspect of not planning and just jumping into it is maybe the bit where you just maybe pull back a little bit in future and go so if I was to do this say next Christmas what people would I want involved? What mechanisms could we have in place, et cetera, et cetera. But it's such a great idea. And in some ways you've got to do it 
to realise that you shouldn't have done it. Do you know what I mean? Now, I've just been doing a media release for someone today um, who helps kids with confidence. And same thing. I'm kind of like, you know, well, he had said obstacles are the way because it's a book he's read. But it really is all about kind of making mistakes and learning from them. And you kind of have to do the mistakes whether you call making 5,000 messages in one day a mistake or not is is um, debatable, but just that, you know, you, we, we try these things and we go, okay, next time I might do it slightly differently. <laughs> I hope like, I would do it differently and maybe give myself four days instead of three to actually Well, the other it. way I guess you could do it if you were to, to think outside the square would be to sign up to one of those SMS programs and spend the year or or two weeks collecting phone numbers to put in there and then send them all the same message on the same day rather than doing it 4,723 times. But, you know, we learn along the way. (laughs) Don't tell me I can't do something because then I really... Yeah, then you're really going to arc up. So my next question is interesting because we've kind of talked about it. How do you juggle work and life? So what sort of hours are you working and how are you splitting work and life particularly now with the pandemic, because I know you've been in isolation for longer than most of us. Yeah, I was 11 and a half weeks I was in without leaving the house. Um, I probably do maybe 12 to 15 hours work a day. Every day? More so in the last... No, every day. Including weekends? Right, wasn't expecting that answer. Probably time for you to slow down and try and get that down to eight hours a day. Probably, but I never realised how much work goes into a book even a yeah. child, children's book and having a publisher in the UK um, means that the time difference, I end up probably talking to them overnight and getting it done there. Yeah. there. So I will probably fall in a heap once the final thing has gone in. So the 12 to 15 hours a day isn't every day all the time. This is just it's through been, the book? It's been while I've been in isolation pretty much. Right. Which is which is mad. Most people are sitting on the sofa frozen going, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to binge watch another TV series and you've been putting in that many hours. Yeah. Between that, that and Love Island, life has been very busy. <laughs> Thank God for Love Island then. What can I say? <laughs> so how do you, what's the idea? Because you're married as well. So how are you juggling life, relationships, family and 12 to 15 hours a day? Does your husband ever see you? Yes, he does. Comes home at lunchtime. So we'll see, see him in the evenings. We do. We are very, very close um, and he's yeah. very supportive of what I do. So I, it, it's hard for me because I don't consider what I do work. Like yeah. when I'm writing and I just, I love to do it. So I can sit, we'll sit and watch a movie and I'll be working and writing. So he's so across everything that I do and to me, it's not, you know, I say 12 to 15 hours a day, but it's not, I, I just love it. It's my life. Yeah, that's just what I was saying. It's a, when it's passionate. And like, if I was to say to you, would you like to sit in the garden and read a book or would you like to work on your kindness thing? You'd probably choose the latter. I'll say, I'll come and sit in the garden, but I'm going to write instead of read. <laughs> Bring my laptop with me. Yeah. Um, Okay, here we go. I don't know whether I gave you any forewarning of this. I have a feeling I didn't. But is there something people don't know about you, some quirky little fact that you can share with us? I can't jump. You can't jump. At all? Never could since you were a child? No, since I got bitten by a spider. 
Well, and why? So is that a physical thing? You don't have bouncy muscles in your legs or how does, how can you not jump? When I got bitten, so I got bitten by a spider, long story short, it paralyzed me and I was on life support for six months and I got a nerve disease that shuts down your nerve um, and had to learn to walk again. But my reflexes and my feet never came back properly. So... Wow, so you kind of like flat-footed, I guess. So there's no bounce in your foot to be able to... I'll give you... I'll tell you my secret. I can't either, and it's just purely because I think I'm just so unfit. But I had a series of photos taken for a friend, and I thought, oh, my God, it was for my headshots, and I thought, I'd love to do one of those Toyota shots, you know, where they arms in the air and legs... And I thought I'd done it, and the photographer showed me the photo afterwards... And I reckon I was an inch off the ground and I just had a look of pain on my face. It doesn't, it's not one of those joyful shots at all. So I'm so jealous of people that can actually do that and have, you know, these wonderful on the beach shots. And there's never, I'll never do that. No, but you've got to be quite fit because you've actually got to get yourself up in order to do it. And I realised that, you know, half a centimetre off the ground doesn't really count. Certainly doesn't make for a great shot. I've also learned that you can live without needing to jump, so I'm, I'm pretty lucky. Yeah, thank goodness for that. So tell me, what are the plans for uh, Cool To Be Kind project going forward? Where where do you want to be in the next year or two? Or longer? Whatever. I mean, what's your big, hairy, audacious goal? And then what's how are you going to get there? A 12 to 15 hours a day work. Um, <laughs> I don't have a goal as such. Like you don't want certain number of people to be doing it or in certain number of countries. I or... want everyone to be doing it and it's already global. I've you know, I know that cards have reached been found in hotel rooms in Arizona and cafes in Philadelphia. Oh, it makes me want to go to Outer Mongolia. I want to go to Outer Mongolia and bring a card with me just so that you can say you've been to all reaches of the world. <laughs> I'd love to get on Ellen. Like as my really big goal, there I would go. partner with Ellen. Even, you know, I did this video for her last year and I'm still determined that she'll see it and, you know, she does such amazing things. That would be a massive goal would actually be to sit down and have a chat to her. Is that her the person or you just like the exposure in the US? No, I'm not after the exposure. I'm her as a person I think I could learn a lot from. Yeah, she's pretty amazing. She sure is. Okay, so um, oh, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to look at you again the same way now that I know you can't jump. What kind of a person can't jump other than me and you? <laughs> All right, so um, I've got a couple of very silly little questions for you now, which are really kind of fun because I'm obsessed with apps and I love talking about new apps and things on my phone. Um, so apart from banking, I've now started saying apart from banking, cause that's the first one everyone goes to. What are the two most useful apps on your phone? Spark story. Oh, what's it's Spark a, story? It's an Adobe one and it's a kind of a graphic design can do it on your phone one. I really like that. What? So it's just designing? Uh, yeah. So what's Spark story? What is it? Nothing to Adobe do with stories. Spark. Right. Um, and it's just a mobile version of it. Yeah, on your phone. Okay. I've only discovered that recently and I really like oh, it. I've never um, even heard of it. Caption writer I like as well. Is that doing subtitles for your videos? No, it's just, it's kind of like a notes format thing. Um, 
because I'm always writing. So I put it in there and it formats it for social media for me as we go. Ooh, I like that one. What was it called? It puts the spaces in and that kind of thing. Caption. Caption writer. Caption writer. Is good. Um, What else do I like? The usual Canva. Yeah, caption writer and Adobe. And I like Spark because it's different. It's not the traditional templates that people use. So I, I, I do like that one. Oh, so it's kind of like ca- a more sophisticated Canva in that it's got templates that you can then go in and customise. You can use templates problem. and animate things. And, yes, although I'm also obsessed with the stop-motion animation because I've discovered my love of stop-motion. And there's I do it all from my phone, so that app I absolutely love. <laughs> <laughs> What's that one called, stop-motion animator or something? Yeah, it's just called stop-motion. Um, and I, yeah, do it all my animations from my phone. So basically it's kind of like a time-lapse thing and yeah. we'll take photos as you move situations or like artwork. So that one I really like. Oh, I must tell my son about that. He'd love that one. Okay. And then your fun app for personal time. So I know that we were talking about useful ones. Have you got like, and I always have to admit that I'm mad still for Candy Crush. Don't mind a bit of flight time. Obsessed with words with friends. Have you got anything like that that you play on your phone yeah disney's emoji blitz emoji blitz all right i'll have a little look at that my last disney one that i loved was where's the water i think it was called and it's oh it's great if you want to do it you have to sort of basically a whole lot of water sits at the top of tunnels and you have to feed it down to get to the alligator and make sure you avoid the acid because if the acid gets in he gets an acid in his bath acid in his bath instead of water it's so good. And then it's got mud that goes hard and things that whiz around. It just gets better and better and better. I love it. Although I've done now the whole series twice. I don't think you can go back and, like, delete the app and then time. start again. <laughs> I think it's I love the to... Disney one because Matt and I both play it, so we always just compete against each other. So it's, yeah, ha-ha. Yeah, I all right. Kind of... Amazing. Well, look, thank you so much for a great conversation. You have always been such an inspiration, particularly overcoming all that shit that's happened earlier in your life and, and, and what you're doing now. And I just know you're going to fly. I love watching what you're doing. So thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. Now, if anyone does want to get hold of you or to do something with the Cool To Be Kind project, how would they best do that? Um, through the website, or and which is www.thecourtofbekindproject.org or via my email or um, social media is probably a good way as well. Yeah, you're pretty big on Instagram too, aren't you? They'll find you um, through there. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I hope you've enjoyed this She's the Boss chat episode. It was great to have you here. If you want to stay in touch, you might also like some of the other things that we've got going on with She's the Boss. Firstly, I've got the She's the Boss show, which is on Ticker TV. Now, you can watch that either on tickertv.com.au or you can download the Ticker app from any of the app stores. So Apple and Android, and they've got an app that is for your phone, for your iPad or tablet, and for the smart TV. Or you could join us for our free Zoom lunches for female founders that we hold online. 
The best way to do any of these things really is go to sheestheboss.com.au and on there you can register for the lunches and I've also got links to the website. So either way, I hope you've enjoyed it. I'm really enjoying digging down and getting down to the nitty gritty with these women and I hope you'll join me for the next episode. 